This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life. Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Martin climbed Bobon Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to check out the Locked on NBA show. I'm on there on Thursdays. We got a good cast of hosts over there from the Locked On Network. Please check out the show if you got the time. We've also got a YouTube channel over there. Subscribe, all that good stuff. If you enjoy what we do here, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, all those different joints. It would be amazing. We would sincerely appreciate it. A lot to dive into today, a lot to talk about, and I'll get kind of the news out of the way off the top. Um, so first off, had a webcam issue this week, which was great. Um, had to order a new one of those, which was super fun and awesome. Uh, my old one just gave up on me, which is cool. Um, so got that taken care of. And so we are back up and running. Thankfully, uh, shout out Amazon for getting hit here in two days flat. Once I figured out that there was a problem. That said, let's get into what's going on with the Rockets. So a couple of the big pieces just, you know, right, just to take care of right here on the top, uh, the little bit of news that we have. Anthony Lamb signs his qualifying offer uh, to come back on a two-way deal for the Houston Rockets. So that makes Matthew Hurt and Anthony Lamb the two players on two-way deals for the Houston Rockets. Um, And then they have Dacia Nix, Tyler Bay, and Armani Brooks on Exhibit 10 deals, kind of rounding out the 20-man training camp roster for the Houston Rockets. Um, Not a big fan, honestly. Uh, I... You know, like Anthony Lamb for what he's provided, he's a great hustle guy, great energy guy. But ultimately, for somebody who's supposed to be the quality three-point shooter that he's kind of been marketed as, um, I've never been that blown away by his ability to really utilize his shooting, at least in the NBA setting. I mean, we saw him, you know, he was impressive in, in summer league. We've seen him, obviously, you know, ha- you know, he's had great stints in the G League. But ultimately, one of the things that I think Armani Brooks brings to the table over Anthony Lamb is his ability to use his shooting as a threat to open things up for the rest of the team. I've never really felt that out of Anthony Lamb, right? You can see Armani Brooks running around screens, curling off different actions, that kind of thing offensively, and he's very adept at catching and shooting. Anthony Lamb, I've never really felt that confident in his ability to move off-ball as an off-ball shooting threat a la a like a Clay Thompson type, right? Because Armani's smaller. He's, you know, more akin to guards like the Curry brothers or whoever else you want to highlight. And then, God, I just keep bringing up Golden State on this podcast. I hate it. Okay, anyways. Um, but, right, you know, that's uh, that's who I'm going to comp. Uh, that's who I'm going to comp Anthony Lamb to is if he wants to make it in the NBA, conceivably he needs to play like a bigger guard forward type like a Clay Thompson, bring good defense, be able to hit shots offensively and kind of operate off the ball a little bit, as well as obviously he can be a spot up shooter from time to time. But I've just, I don't know. I, I'm not, 
you know, the biggest fan of, of this signing. Uh, and ultimately Matthew hurt also kind of disappointed in summer league. Honestly, I wasn't really blown away by him. Uh, so I was really hoping that one of those, that final two way spot would be going to Armani Brooks and Hey, they can still change their minds. They can pull Matthew hurt off the two way spot and they can give the two way spot back to Armani Brooks. Um, Whatever direction they want to go in, it's possible, right? And, and nothing is set in stone. There's still plenty of time for other roster moves to be made as well, right? If the Rockets decide to make a trade, they could potentially have a trade up their sleeve and maybe be waiting to offer Armani Brooks a regular NBA-level deal, right? That's still a possibility. It's still something on the table. So I would not rule that out. The other little bit of news that we got is the Rockets worked out two former NBA guards, two, I guess, two veteran NBA guards, I should say, one Monte Ellis and one Gerald Green this past week. And as reported by uh, good, our good friend Ali Kambijani and Kelly Eco over at The Athletic, uh, Monte, Monte Ellis uh, having actually just worked out for the Dallas Mavericks as well. And, you know, he's trying to make a comeback, hasn't played in the NBA since, I believe, 20... 2016, 2017, something like that. It's been it's been a handful of years for for Monte Ellis, um, but the Gerald Green news is is one. It's not surprising. It's it's honestly just kind of hilarious that the Rockets kind of get through every off season and at some point they just kind of hit you know Gerald with the hey big head what you doing text and he's like nothing I'm just hanging out let's go. <laughs> shooting hoops with his dog in the driveway again, maybe? I don't know. Um, you know, and I know that Rockets fans love Gerald Green. I love Gerald Green. Uh, would, you know, obviously love to see him back on this roster in some capacity. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, this roster already has a steady mix of veterans and youth when you consider the, all the depth at guard with John Wall, Eric Gordon, DJ Augustine being the veterans. And then you've got Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and Josh Christopher. That's six guards. And that's not even including the fact that Kyrie Thomas is also still on the roster. So, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, they, I really don't see them bringing Gerald Green back into the fold. Maybe it's just a favor to Green himself. Maybe it's a thing for his agent. That's kind of how I'm viewing um, them working out uh, both Monte Ellis and Gerald Green is, one, the Gerald Green thing is almost just kind of a tradition at this point, so that's probably why. Um, but then past that, uh, with Monte Ellis, maybe it's a thing where his agent hit up a few teams and was like, hey, you know, he's trying to make a comeback. Can you can we do a workout? Can you just, you know, let him come in, get some shots up, run some drills? That way, if other teams ask you about how he looks, you know, you can you can kind of vet him and, and that kind of thing. Because at the end of the day, it's really important to remember that the NBA is all about relationships, right? And that's how you've got different relationships with different guys in different front offices. You've got the different uh, former Rockets executives in different front offices with Monty McNair over with the Kings, with Gerson Rosas over with the Minnesota Timberwolves, with Daryl Morey with the Sixers, uh, Rafael Stone still manning the fort here in Houston. So you've got all these different little connections, right, over the NBA where, you know, and not only that, you've got different, you've got agents, you've got the insiders at different outlets like Shams and Woj. And at the end of the day, the way information kind of disseminates across the NBA is it's one of those like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type things. So I'm kind of viewing the whole Monte Ellis workout as maybe just, again, his agent wanted a favor was like, Hey, help me out. We're trying to, you know, get him back into the league, let him do a workout or two. Even if you're not seriously heavily considering signing him or bringing him on board, that way if other teams ask how he looks, you can kind of vouch for him, that kind of thing. That's what I'm viewing that 
as. And maybe I'm mistaken, but that's kind of how I'm interpreting the Monte Ellis workout because it doesn't make sense for the Houston Rockets to bring him into the fold. It just doesn't, it, it's, it was kind of a head scratcher. So I had to try and make sense of it somehow. And that's how I've made sense of it. So I want to get into next. I brought up previously the chances of certain Rockets to win season awards uh, this upcoming season. And the main one that I think besides Jalen green and the rookie of the year campaign, I think the second best chance at an award is Kevin Porter jr. Winning most improved. And so I actually want to take a look at some of the previous most improved player award winners coming up in just a second. And we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at sweat block, because look, sweating sucks. Like unless you're working out, right? If you're working out, sure. You're in the gym, working out, getting up good sweat. Cool. But sweating when you're like out and about in public, hanging out with friends at work, like that kind of thing, it can be awkward. It can cause anxiety, all that. It's, it's uncomfortable, right? And you don't have to deal with it anymore. Sweat block is doctor created and doctor recommended works for up to seven days per application. They have a dry shirt guarantee. So if sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. No questions asked. It's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, over 13 thousand reviews and it's manufactured right here in the USA. Sweat block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before you go to bed. Next morning you wake up, wash, go about your morning, put your makeup on, get dressed, all that stuff. No hassle, doesn't change your routine whatsoever. And you go through your day dry guaranteed, right? So if you know somebody that struggles with this, or if you struggle with this personally, you've got to check out sweat block and get 20% off at sweatblock.com when you use promo code locked on also available at Amazon and CVS. So again, that's 20% off at sweatblock.com when you use promo code locked on. And another message from our friends over at direct TV, because Hey, does this sound familiar at all, right? You got one device that lets you catch the game. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And then you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the other good stuff that you're missing out on. Let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment without the hassle, a great way to finally get your TV together. And that's direct TV stream it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion, get your TV together with direct TV stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required content varies by package. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. So previously, hit on the notion that I think Kevin Porter Jr. actually has a pretty solid shot at most improved player of the year award this season. Um, and there's some factors that go into it besides just the stats, right? And I wasn't able to dive completely into that discussion because I was kind of canvassing all the different awards that the Rockets might have a chance for, which off the top of my head, I completely biffed on uh, an all-star selection for Christian Wood. That's absolutely on the table again this season. So Christian Wood plays the way that he was playing pre-all-star break without the ankle injury. I think we're legitimately, you know, talking about Christian Wood having a very, very substantial shot at making an all-star team. And that's absolutely on the ballot this season. So my top three awards that the Rockets are chasing this season are rookie of the year for Jalen Green, most improved player of the year for Kevin Porter Jr., and an all-star selection from Christian Wood. Those are the those are the the picks right there. Those are my top three awards that I want the Rockets to be pursuing throughout this calendar NBA season. So with that, let's get into some of the previous most improved player award winners. And there's kind of like a running theme here a little bit. And so let's go all the way back. We're going to go through the last three and we're going to go in 
chronological order. There we go. Words are hard. Um, and we're going to start with Pascal Siakam all the way back in the 2018-2019 season, the year that the Raptors actually won the NBA title. So the previous year was Siakam's second year in the NBA. And he played in 81 games. He only started five games, averaged about 20 minutes per game. Uh, only 7.3 points, four and a half rebounds, two assists, not even a full steal, half a block a game. You know, very minimal stats, right? Shot 60% from the floor, sure. Um, the three-point numbers, just a little over 20% from the floor. Pretty abysmal. Absolutely skyrockets the next season under new head coach Nick Nurse. So the Raptors departing from Dwayne Casey, adding Nick Nurse into the head coaching spot. And Pascal Siakam gets the starting nod, and his numbers absolutely skyrocket. He averages... Uh, about 32 minutes per game, 17 points per contest, almost seven rebounds, three assists, shot 60% from the floor, and then his three-point percentage jumped all the way up to 37% on about almost three attempts per game. So Siakam absolutely exploded, and then he jumped up again even the following year, right? Probably could have been a contestant for most improved again. Um, so that year where Siakam one most improved. He clearly was given an opportunity, a change of scenery, thrown into the starting lineup, more reps, more minutes, all of that, which makes sense. That's what leads to most improved is you need the reps, you need you know actual exposure uh, to get most improved. And then they had the storyline as well, right? The surging Raptors, new head coach, Nick Nurse, right? They're making a play for the championship. You have Kawhi Leonard in the fold now. All eyes were on Toronto. So there were a lot of narratives at play that kind of helped push Siakam towards winning most improved player. Let's go to our next guy, Brandon Ingram, who won most improved player for the 2019-2020 NBA season. Let's go previously to the 2018-2019 season where Ingram was still a member of the LA Lakers. So with the Lakers, Ingram averaged about 33 minutes per game, 18 points, uh, five rebounds, three assists, half a steal, half a block. Uh, shot a little over 50% from the floor and 33% from three. Solid numbers, right? For 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 somebody in their in their junior year campaign in the NBA. But then Anthony Davis trade happens, joins Zion Williamson in New Orleans, and kind of you know is is not necessarily the face because that's still Zion, but has an increased role and, and more a more clearly defined role in New Orleans where he's able to you know step up to the plate and deliver in kind of a big way. He jumps up from 18 points per game to 23.8 points per contest, six rebounds, uh, four assists, still shot about 50% from the floor, but then his three-point percentage and volume absolutely skyrocketed. So he went from 33% three-point shooting on 1.8 attempts per game with the Lakers to 39% three-point shooting on 6.2 attempts with New Orleans. So those numbers, that increased exposure, the increased, uh, you know, the increased shot attempts going from 14 attempts per game to almost 18 attempts per game, the extra numbers, all of that helped him secure his most improved player award. And again, the running theme here is that there was a change of scenery, right? So you have, Pascal Siakam gets a brand new head coach, all these other narratives at play for the Toronto Raptors. Brandon Ingram gets sent to a new team, traded to a new team, new coach, new scenery, all that wins most improved. Our last guy, the most recent winner of the most improved player award, Julius Randle. So Randle, however, he didn't have a, a new team similar to Pascal Siakam, but 
he did get a new coach under Tom Thibodeau. So with Tom Thibodeau and kind of everything that he's been trying to accomplish with the New York Knicks, uh, you know, he kind of revitalized, revamped that, you know, the, the philosophy, the culture there, what have you. And Julius Randle really fed into that and, and had a stellar year, made it to an all NBA selection, um, jumped his numbers from the previous year with the Knicks. His first season with the Knicks was at 19 and a half points per game, 10 boards, three assists, uh, 50% shooting from the floor. And then where's his three point percentage, a little under 30% from, from three, about 28% on three and a half attempts per game. So it's not like he was shooting a small amount. Then he comes in. And the following season, under Tom Thibodeau, when the Knicks make their playoff push and they're kind of the feel-good story of the NBA, which again, narratives play into this, he's averaging 24.1 points per game, 10 boards per game, 6 assists per game, manages to still shoot, uh, where is it, 50, a little under 50% from the floor, so his, his efficiency took a little bit of a dip, but then his three-point shooting jumped up considerably. He goes from 28% to 41% on 5.5 attempts per game game. So Julius Randle, again, had a lot of factors at play here. New head coach, feel good story in New York, all these different things kind of at play. And that led to him winning most improved as well as obviously his play, you know, took a little bit of an uptick. So then how does this all relate to Kevin Porter Jr.? So KPJ's already kind of got his new, right? He, he made it to his new scene this past season. Now, unfortunately, he didn't get the full-blown splash of a brand-new team at the start of the NBA season because the Rockets did not incorporate him into what they were trying to do until the midway point, so he only got the 20, 26 games of reps as a Houston Rocket. So that's a bit unfortunate because it kind of loses – he doesn't—he loses a little bit of that pizzazz of like, okay, he was on the, ra- or on, the, on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They didn't really utilize him properly. Send him to the Rockets, and then he takes off, right? So he had that splash last season, and he already had a substantial uptick in his numbers, right? So you look at his production as a Cavalier in his rookie season, 10 points per game, three boards, two assists, uh, shot 50% from the floor, shot 33% from behind the arc. And then you look at what he did this past season, 16.5 points per game, uh, about three and a half rebounds. His assists jumped up considerably by over four assists per contest. His field goal percentage, roughly about the same, hovering around 50%. And then his three-point percentage took a little bit of a dip. Um, and his field goal attempts jumped up as well. He was only averaging about eight attempts per game with the Cavaliers, averaged 14 attempts per contest with the Rockets. So for KPJ this upcoming season, I kind of already alluded to the fact that I think if he's going to win the most improved player award. I do think he has to crack probably about 20 points per contest on average. And then he's probably going to have to hit somewhere around that. I'd say minimum like seven and a half, maybe eight assists per game, which I think is doable for KPJ. The biggest question for him is what his three point shot is going to look like this upcoming season, because he's going to have to play alongside John Wall. And he's going to have to spend time sharing the ball with Jalen Green. He's going to spend a fair amount of time setting up Jalen Green. That's for sure, right? Jalen has shown an ability in Summer League, and we can go back and look over G League tape. He's shown an ability and a willingness to play off ball. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. So that said, KPJ is in a prime spot to be able to set him up, to, to beef up his assist numbers, to be able to orchestrate offense for his eventual backcourt partner in Jalen Green. And that's going to do nothing but make his numbers look even better as a facilitator. That said, the way that he's going to be able to crack 20 points per game on a nightly basis 
is if he gets his three-point shot consistent, right? This past season, he shot an average of about 6.2 attempts from behind the arc, only connected on 1.9 of them. So again, about 31% from behind the arc. If he can keep that volume at about five to six three-point attempts per game, but get the consistency up to about that 35, 36, 37% mark, there's no reason why KPJ shouldn't crack 20 points per night because he's still going to get opportunities to drive. He's still going to run pick and roll heavily with Christian Wood, Daniel Tice, Alperin Shingun. He's still going to get those opportunities. KJ Martin. Um, he's still going to have plenty of opportunities like that to score the ball the same way that he was this past season. And he's still going to have opportunities to isolate, get into his step back, you know, rhythm dribbles and, you know, try and drain a three over somebody. But it's those catch and shoot opportunities where there were times where he would pass up open looks because he wasn't super confident in his three point shot. So that's the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to this next season is how his shot has progressed and how that plays into him being able to make a substantial push for the most improved player of the year award. That said, want to get into the rotations and lineups a little bit here in this final second segment. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, when it comes to protein bars, you got to choose the right one, right? If you choose the wrong protein bar, you bite into it and you're like, ah, this is awful. I've never bitten into a protein or I've never bitten into a built bar, I should say, that I didn't enjoy. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from. You got raspberry, mint chocolate brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, cookies and cream, German chocolate, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. Can't go wrong with a single built bar on their menu. Every single bar, low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Every bar is jam-packed with protein. They're great if you're on a keto diet. They're great if you're trying to lose weight. And you can check them out. Just visit Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your very next order. And another message from our friends over at BetOnline.ag because look, football is back right? Football is back. MLB still going strong. We got postseason right around the corner. NBA is about to start up. We're in this beautiful time of year where we got everything going on all at once. And as always, Bet Online is your place for all the news, odds, and info that you could ever imagine. They've also got you covered for UFC, MMA, you name it. They've got it over at Bet Online. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head over to their website and sign up today to receive a 100% welcome bonus when you use promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code Locked On, L O C K E D O N, for a 100% welcome bonus when you sign up with your very first deposit over at Bet Online. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th. The season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up using promo code NFL100. So bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Going to dive into a little, well, going to attempt to dive into a little bit of what the rotations may or may not look like for this upcoming season. Because this is, and this has kind of been like the topic of like debate, I guess, recently on Rockets Twitter, at least that I've seen. Um, that, and I'm like getting like positioned because I've got my, I've got my Excel spreadsheet over here and I thought about screen sharing it, but it looks atrocious. So I'm not going to do that. Um, the topic of contention, right, is that, who is going to, who's the starting five for the Houston Rockets? And this has been something we've kind of gone back and forth on. And I remain firmly in the camp that the starting five is going to be John Wall, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Christian Wood, and Daniel Tice. That's not the starting five it should be, but that's the starting five that I think it's going to be. 
Jay Sean Tate gets a bit of a bad shake here because he's absolutely starting quality. Um, he should be right. He's a top, you know, top seven, top eight guy in a rotation. And he's, you know, one of those kind of super role players that you want in a starting lineup, right? He brings it defensively. Um, he is so adept offensively, can do a variety of different things. His three-point shot was kind of just the biggest question of his game, but even that started to you know look a little bit more consistent. He's really worked on it this offseason. Um, his ability to do things off the dribble, to shoot off the dribble as well, is something he's been working on this offseason. So it's unfortunate because he shouldn't be the one getting moved to the bench. But that being said, let's pretend for a second you run a starting lineup of John Wall, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood. That lineup is going to be a nightmare defensively. And it's going to be a nightmare defensively because you've got Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green both on the perimeter who, look, love Jalen Green for all he says that he wants to do on defense. He's not there yet, right? He can try. He can put a good foot forward. He's not a good defender yet. He's not going to lock anybody down on the perimeter. And if your point of attack defense is Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, you're going to struggle considerably. John Wall, when he wants to, can kind of turn it on, but it's also 31-year-old John Wall, which, hey, happy belated birthday to John Wall. Unfortunately, the Rockets need that backline support, that backline defense, that backline help. Jay Sean Tate's a great perimeter defender. Jay Sean Tate's a great rebounder. He's also only 6'5", right? And if you slot him as your four next to Christian Wood, not only are you putting all that pressure on Christian Wood to be the defensive anchor and to battle against some of the bigger bigs in the NBA, you're putting a lot of pressure on the guys on the perimeter to not make the mistakes, right? To have Christian Wood be the one guy that can rotate over and salvage a possession if you get broken down on the perimeter. All these different factors are at play. Whereas if you slot Daniel Tyson and you allow Christian Wood to slide down to the four, you've got Daniel Tyson at your five, you've got two bigger bodies down there to secure defensive rebounds, to close out solid defensive possessions. You've got Daniel Tyson to bang against some of the bigger bodies. You've got Christian Wood, who then can operate as more of a floating weak side shot blocker, can rotate over as a help defender, can clog passing lanes using his length. Um, the Rockets are suddenly not basically playing small ball with Christian Wood being the tallest guy on the court at 6'10". Um, they've got two bigs out there instead of one big and, you know, a wing and three guards. Um, cause the three guard lineup is likely probably set, right? That's, that's kind of happening and Christian Wood's definitely going to start. So it's that last spot and it's kind of that toss up between Daniel Tice and Jay Sean Tate. I think they go Daniel Tice and that's kind of where I'm going to hang my hat for this time being. That said, I've got all these minutes listed out over here. I don't think Daniel Tice plays starter level minutes. He's going to play like 20 minutes a night, like tops, maybe 25. Um, I still think Jay Sean Tate is going to get a bulk of minutes off the bench. And I think it, situationally, there's going to be games where Jay Sean Tate is the closer. And I think that's optimal, right? Because nine times out of 10, when you want to close out a game, having the more flexible, versatile, small ball unit that can switch everything and, you know, all that good stuff is, is a little bit better, especially on the defensive side. Um, just situationally, right at the end of the games. And then offensively, it gives you a little bit more versatility, uh, having another creator on the floor, all those different things. So I do think we're going to see some opportunities with Jay Sean Tate closing out games, even though he's not starting them. And he's going to play a substantial amount of minutes off the bench, somewhere in that 22 to 28 minutes a night range, give or take. Um, Eric Gordon, I think is going to be in that similar range for Jay Sean Tate. 
And this is operating off of that starting five that I just laid out. So you've got Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate as your sixth and seventh men off the bench, respectively. Then past that, I think the last three guys that we're going to be looking at for consistent minutes on a nightly basis, basically fleshing out a 10-man Rockets roster. It's going to be KJ Martin, Alper and Shingun, and then one of Daniel House Jr. or David Nwaba. I think those are kind of be that's kind of your your 10-man Rockets rotation for the regular season which means that whoever doesn't get the minutes between House and Nwaba, or maybe they split the minutes each a piece and they both get like six to eight minutes or something kind of minimal. Um, I don't think that's going to be the route they go. I think they're probably going to allocate just the minutes to one of them. Again, that 12, 14 minute range. I think Shingun's going to be around 12 to 15 minutes a night, something like that. Kind of uh, just a little bit of action, first half, second half. Because you got to remember, not only do they have to find minutes for Shingun at the five spot, behind Daniel Tice. They've also got to allow Christian Wood to play the five a little bit so that you can have KJ Martin and Jay Sean Tate get some reps at the five spot because they're balancing so many guards in the one, two, and three spot between John Wall, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and Eric Gordon. So that's kind of important to remember in that regard as well. So that kind of leaves, again, one of Nwaba House kind of off. You've got the rest of the guys, DJ Augustine, Kyrie Thomas, Usman Garuba, and Josh Christopher also waiting in the wings, not receiving any minutes on a nightly basis. Um, it's important to remember you can only have 12 or 13 active players on the roster on a nightly basis. So it's not like you can have all 15 active guys and spread the minutes around to all 15 dudes. Anyways, that said, I want to get to what I think is going to happen for these back-to-backs. And there's kind of two ways that the Rockets could go about this, right? They could just shut down Eric Gordon and John Wall on every back-to-back. And while that sounds really good in theory, like right off the cuff, it sounds like, oh yeah, Eric Gordon, John Wall, let them sit, right? Get all those minutes for the young guys. I propose a different option that I think is actually going to be the direction they probably go in, which is they alternate resting John Wall and Eric Gordon. So, right, you got a back-to-back coming up, game on Friday, game on Saturday. John Wall plays the Friday game, Eric Gordon sits out the Friday game. John Wall sits out the Saturday game. Eric Gordon plays the Saturday game. And what that does is it still opens up more minutes for the rest of the guys on the roster. It still opens up minutes for guys like Josh Christopher and potentially, you know, a little bit of maybe a little bit of DJ Augustine minutes um, to help kind of run the point in the night on the night where John Wall is gone. Um, It opens up. Uh, some minutes possibly for Usman Garuba as everybody kind of shifts down a little bit in the rotation if you take off one of the lead guards in John Wall or Eric Gordon. Um, Again, it sounds really enticing in theory to just say, oh, we're just going to not have John Wall and Eric Gordon out there, and the starting lineup will be KPJ, Green, Tate, Wood, Tice. And I think that is going to be the starting lineup. On nights where John Wall doesn't play, I don't necessarily see them slotting Eric Gordon into the starting lineup. I think Jay Sean Tate can be kind of that that swing piece, right? Where he's off the bench when John Wall's there. He's starting when John Wall's not there. That way they can actually get some real reps with KPJ and Jalen Green sharing the actual backcourt together with a more optimal lineup with an actual wing presence in Jay Sean Tate. And then their two bigs in Christian Wood and Daniel Tice backing them up. So that's kind of where I've got it boiled down to is I think that's going to be kind of the swing piece. I think that we're going to see clearly John Wall and Eric Gordon are going to be rested on certain back-to-backs. Again, it just kind of remains to be seen how the Rockets approach those back-to-backs and how they want to divvy up those minutes, whether they decide to rest them both at the same time, whether they break apart their resting schedule. Um, But I do think that for guys like 
Kyrie Thomas, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, those guys at the tail end of the rotation for them to get real reps at the NBA level. It's going to be on those nights when Wall and Gordon are resting, when they have extra minutes to throw around. Um, and until those times come around, right? Sending those guys down to the G League, having them spend some time down there is probably the best case scenario so that they do get real game time reps and can practice and build chemistry together. I think that's the thing I'm most looking forward to for Josh Christopher and for Usman Garuba is for them to spend some time at the G League level building chemistry together because we saw Kevin Porter Jr. and KJ Martin and Armani Brooks come back up and Anthony Lamb as well come back up to join the Rockets after being with the Vipers and they had already established chemistry together. They kind of understood each other's tendencies where they liked the ball certain spots on the floor how to read certain sets and react especially KPJ and KJ Martin as far as running pick and roll together that kind of thing. So I'm really hoping that that developed that type of relationship can develop between Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba if they go and spend time, not if, they're, they're going to spend time at the G League level, um, when they go and spend time at the G League level together this upcoming season. So with that, those are kind of my final thoughts on the rotation. Be sure to check out our very next episode. We're going to start our Southwest Division preview series, and we are going first to Memphis, Tennessee, to chat with Sean Coleman of Locked On Grizzlies to figure out everything that the Grizzlies are doing this past, this this offseason, where they stand, what the expectations for them are this upcoming season. It was a really fun episode. Can't wait to drop that one. But for this one, it's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.